The world of sound, which we inhabit daily, contains only a minuscule part of the sound universe which our ear minds are capable of understanding. I have been interested in going further, distilling this essence, this inborn language, letting it be the sole carrier of meaning in a sound world. Max Newhouse. Sound as a medium. I wish uh, your dad uh, or your grandpa had not had Parkinson's. I wish he was sitting here and could tell you some stories. He would have had a ball doing that. So when Harold came back and we started, uh, got out of the Army and we met, and I was working in the softball stand selling Cokes and stuff like that, and he, uh, he saw me in there and he came up to the stand and bought some gum because he wanted to meet me. I knew his reputation, so I thought, you know, I didn't want to get mixed up with anything like that. And so I, I went home after the game, and he came to the house, and I told my mother to tell him I went to bed. I, did, I didn't go talk to him. <laughs> then uh, it was only a couple of weeks later then, he, he came again and asked me out on a date, and I went. And, then we started dating steady from the beginning. He went through this period of quite a few years where he, he just thought he was so funny. You know, somebody would be calling, and of course we didn't have caller ID or anything, and I don't know why he started doing this, but he would pick up the phone and he would say, Kelly's Pool Hall, eight ball speaking, and people would just be silent. Like, they would think, I must have the wrong number. And he thought he was so funny. And he had no idea who it was. But it was, he just thought he was so clever. It was actually pretty funny. Before he passed away, he really wasn't talking hardly at all. And the caregiver, Olga, and I helped, well, I helped her get him in the shower, and she gave him a shower. And we got him out of the shower and got him in the shower chair, all wrapped up in towels got his shirt on and then she was getting his shoes on and everything before we would stand him up. And because he couldn't really talk, he got this grin on his face and he reached over and he just scratched her back and was just grinning like, like he was telling her thank you. And we just, I started laughing. I said, look, you give him a shower, he scratches your back. And you know, it was obvious he still had that wit and had that, I don't know, had that personality in there. He just couldn't communicate anymore so it was it was tough it's still not going to be easy but I think we've honored him and I think that that's important before you move on um, you know into a life without him that that we honor the man that he was and I think I think that's um, what all it, all of the services and the family get togethers and friends and everything that's what it's all about it's just saying he was special. Sound as a medium. I'm not an ex-Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. My name is Bill. I'm 80 years old, and it feels like I just walked out of it yesterday. I joined the Marine Corps in 1954. I got a notice from the draft board that I had been drafted I thought, well, now they're going to call me any day. I don't want people telling me what to do. 
I'm going to join the Marine Corps because that's voluntary and that's what I want to do. Went on to Dallas, got sworn in, uh, got on American Airlines plane, the first time I'd ever been on an airplane, and that's where all the fun started. I had a, had a great drill sergeant. His name was Sergeant Marino, and he looked tough. And guess what? He was. <laughs> we all got settled in, and drill instructor turned the lights off and closed the door. And uh, we thought, oh, gee, we're through with that guy for the day. Now we can get some rest. But, oh, no, he slips in, unbeknownst to anyone, and he says, are you awake? Silence, silence. Are you awake? Still silence. Are you awake? Yes, sir. Get out of those racks. And guess what we got to do? We got to move all the racks and mattresses outside. And we had to clean the floor, mop the floor, and then take everything else back in, everything back in, and set it up before we could get to bed again. It was at least two hours before we got back to bed. It was a horrible situation. But we learned from it. We learned to follow orders. There were two platoons marching on the road there one day, and I was in one of them. And so anyway, we're marching along, and I look up ahead, though, and I could see another platoon marching toward us. I, I thought, when, when's one of them going to tell the other one to go off to the side, or what, what are they going to do here? Neither drill instructor would give in, and so we just marched head-on into each other, and rifles and Marines were falling every which way, and, and there was a pile about eight feet high of Marines just stacked there in the middle of this road. I didn't see the drill instructors laughing, but I'll bet they were laughing under their breath. <laughs> but down deep they knew we followed orders. We did what we were told. So there's where perseverance comes in. That's what one of the things the Marine Corps taught me. That's what it was all about, make you tough, so when you go into battle, you can handle it. Sound as a medium. That clock over there came from the Weiss household. It's from uh, 1917? No, it was earlier than that, about 1914. I'm Clemens Weiss. I'm 90 years old. I'm Doris Weiss, and I'm the wife of Clemens Weiss. And I farmed corn and cotton. We had chickens. Uh, chickens and... We milked cows, so yeah. we had our own milk. And had some beef cattle. And, uh, and hogs. And then I 
went into the hay baling business. <laughs> Still doing some of it yet. There's always something to do on a farm. You never run out of work, so that's about the way my life went. So. And uh, we've been living here then for, it'll be 65 years next August, so. Okay. Are you Miss Cow? Ain't talking today, are you? In my age, people around here, I don't have nobody left anymore. I mean, they're all gone. And people I used to, you know, run around with and visit with, and they're just getting fewer all the time, and there ain't hardly anybody left. So, I don't know. I guess it's some reason why I'm still here yet. <laughs> But we're just lucky we got each other yet, you know. He tells me, he says, don't ever put me in a nursing home. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever just go sit in a rocking chair and don't do nothing. You won't last very long. Oh, we're, we're out here. We, we live in quiet. We used to get our chairs a lot of times this summer and sit out here in, at night for about an hour and a half, maybe, or so. You can sit out there that night, no cars come by, nothing. All we can do is hit a coyote sometime. Pieces you heard in this episode were Harold by Josh Hernandez, Chatting with Bill by Greta Herzog and Mary Beth Holland, and Farm by Jacob Weiss. These pieces were all created by students at the University of Texas at Austin for the class Sound as a Medium. 
You can listen to more episodes at soundasamedium.wordpress.com. Sound as a medium.